Hello, my name is Darren Speaksma. Welcome to the second Campfire Conversation of the Every Square Centimeter podcast, a podcast where we celebrate the people, places, and practices in and around Christian education in Canada. I'm here with Jeremy Horlings from the Prairie Center for Christian Education. We'll get it sometime. I'm sure we will. If we do enough campfire conversations, we'll get we'll get the clue here. But we'll um, get the baba oom. Yes, the baba oom. I'm also here. You just heard Justin Cook from Advance. Hi, Canada. Oh, Canada. We are together for a bit of a different type of episode today. This is the second of what we hope will be many campfire conversations. Why campfire episode, you ask? Well, campfires happen all year round, and where there is fire and friends, there is good conversation. Educators just can't help it. Learning is in our DNA. Even in breaks, our conversations usually circle back to school, learning, and literature. Nothing brings this out faster than a few educators around a fire with a favorite beverage. We're also excited to be receiving questions and ideas from our listeners. Keep them coming. We'll be using these campfire conversations as a way to interact with the ideas, questions, and prompts that we hear from our listeners. So stick around for the Crossfire segment later in this episode. Today, the campfire is just beside the frozen pond. I have my skates off to warm my chilly feet. Warm drink in hand, listening to the kids giggle as they play tag on skates and never seem to run out of energy under the Aurora Borealis filled sky. The fire crackles. For our Every Square Centimeter conversations, either Justin, Jeremy, or myself will bring one topic about education that lingers from one of our previous episodes. Or we might surprise the group with a random educational conundrum. Though campfire chats can last to the wee hours of the morning and travel great intellectual distances, our campfire conversations will focus on one burning issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's get started. Well, gentlemen, I can't stop thinking about episode 10, about Matt from Calvin Christian Collegiate in Winnipeg, Manitoba. First, I can't wait to visit Matt and Calvin Christian Collegiate when we're there in Winnipeg for the Christian Schools Canada Leadership Conference in September 2022. But for the purposes of this talk, I want to focus on his passion for experiences. This comes from both my own experiences as a middle school teacher, taking a small group salmon fishing as part of middle school exploratories, my own lack of success at traditional schooling. Do we need to go back to the episode where I put a hate on for multiple choice questions? <laughs> and Matt's challenge of seeing school's only purpose to be getting a good paying job or into the right program at university. So Justin, Jeremy, where's the balance? At what point does our pursuit of the thing after train us to waste the opportunities we have today? Have we sacrificed our learning soul to the idol of a post-secondary degree and the pursuit of financial security? Darren, uh, I appreciate that. I've been thinking about that as well. Um, you know, Matt's got an excellent story about taking his students out ice fishing or going out um, and doing some of his, his hiking. And, and you think, well, you know, what does that help 
those students for university. Uh, so I appreciate the prompt. I, I thought of a similar story in my own career. A, a few years back, I went to an expeditionary learning conference uh, in San Diego. Uh, I was quite excited about what I was hearing. I, I, I hadn't really been part of um, those types of conversations before. And I got some ideas and I came back as a, I was a vice principal and I came back to my admin team and I said, this is really cool. There's this you know, this type of schooling expeditionary, they're doing expeditions as part of schooling. It is part of the learning. And I remember the, my excitement getting kind of turned off really quickly because in the conversation, the realistic idea uh, comes out that, you know, one of the, one of the admins says, look, I, I totally understand where you come from. And I think that'd be great. However, I have a daughter who needs an 80% in biology to get into the nursing program next year. And so that is the thing that's on her mind right now as she enters into diplomas here in Alberta or enters into, you know, exams in, in some other um, regions across Canada. So all of this excitement felt diminished really quickly because the reality of university, right, where it's like, we just need this. And as a parent, I feel stressed to just get there. Uh, and I think it's real. So I, I do like I acknowledge that that's a, a real um, I don't know, barrier, I guess, right now. Um, so I don't have an answer for it, but I, I feel that angst. I feel that tension. So maybe that that begs a question. I mean, there's two kind of threads to this. One is honoring Matt's desire for uh, the primacy of experience, right? That we design significant, meaningful learning experiences. And when you come back fired up for expeditions, Jeremy, that's mm -hmm. a focus on the, the design of experience. Mm -hmm. But then someone kind of pops the balloon with, yeah, but the percentage matters. Right. And I'm, I guess my question for you, Jeremy, is how does a, a grade pop the balloon on experience? You know what I mean? Like yeah. why, why? it feels like a flip of the script. I mean, I can design experiences and still be really intentional about the grade I'm giving for the learning that I expect to occur. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You, you understand my question? hundred percent. Yeah. I think part of it, I, I think so. What I think the challenge is that here in high schools is there's just so much content. How do I, how, like my days are filled with curriculum and content. We just need to get through it all. And so it takes a huge risk from a teacher to say, I, I'm going to jump outside of that. I still believe I could cover the content, but I'm going to do it in this different way. Mm -hmm. And that risk is not always supported, even from parents, because they go, that's what, that's even I've heard it even from them integrating Christian worldview, just even worldview into it, going, that's wonderful that you're integrating, but here's, I just, you need to get through this stuff so that my kid can get all the stuff they need for university. But you're right, Justin, they're not two separate they don't need to be like, they're not interdependent, right? They, yeah. Yeah. I think it's an interesting thing for, for us here in BC, uh, having moved to a competency based curriculum. Yeah. I do still smile cynically on occasion when I have secondary teachers still banging the content coverage drum, even though that actually flies in the face of the curriculum. And that's where I start wondering, um, you know, what are we actually holding on to? I agree with you guys. It's not binary. I believe that if 
you've created an expedition that is working with elderly around keeping their physical health up. And then you come back to school and you're studying the body. It's going to take you a third of the time to get through some of the aspects of the body and the kids will remember it because they can connect it to grace at the, uh, at the home and the hockey that, you know, the sitting hockey game that they designed for grace to participate in because it used the different muscle systems. I think, um, what I wonder about is, um, what are we hiding? Like, what are we hiding? Like we're hiding behind this thing. Actually, that's what my theory is, is we're hiding behind it because we're fearful of something. Um, so the teacher that's holding onto that content coverage thing, they're scared of something. And I just wonder what that is because here in BC, we're actually not required to cover content. We're required to develop competency. And yet you get into grade 10 through 12. It is not about competency development in a lot of classes. It is purely content coverage, regurgitate information, take a test, move on. And then of course it's propped up by the ridiculous hundred point scale, but that's a different campfire uh, episode. Yeah. I think I, I would nuance it a little more, Darren, in the sense that I don't think it's fair to say to the content heavy classes like math that it's not about content. I mean, there is, there is definitely content. Like, would you say, Darren, would you say that your senior level high school maths, that they actually can teach whatever content they want? No, I'm saying the content is the vehicle, the competency development. Like we're yeah. actually using the content for something greater. That's where, that's where I am. Like you need something to, uh, or else you're just floating around. Yeah. But the content's not the end. The content is the beginning. I, I think if, if universities invited portfolio-based admissions, that would change, I think, I hope, some of the approach for high school teachers and, and the trickle-down effect. Um, I was doing a little bit of research on this because I, I was curious. And, and BC is one of the, because of their focus on competencies, seems to have more of the... Um, like feel more liberal to go and try some of these things. And so Kwantlen University, I think it's Kwantlen, Darren, mm-hmm. Darren, is that right? They tried a pilot project a few years back where they said, we're going to go by portfolio over uh, grades based. And I just think about expeditions and project-based learning and flex projects and all these different types of things and how those could form portfolios so much better than maybe uh, uh, grades. And also the equity of who gets invited into universities uh, changes. I think it's a game changer, but but I, I we fit in a system right now that I think encourages us to get down to content because grading a content is, I think, easier. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is, I, I would guess? Grading content as opposed to grading experience is easier. Right. Right. I think that's true. And I think there are content really much more kind of content prevalent courses, especially in the physical sciences or the maths, where it is a greater challenge for the teacher to pack in the right content, but also actually design rich learning experiences that are multifaceted, that Mm -hmm. are whole person, you know, and, you know, shout out to Zach Robichaud again, who mm-hmm. said, I teach math mm-hmm. without grades mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I'm a senior high school teacher. 
So I think we have models that that are showing us the way for sure. If we're trying to de-emphasize grade acquisition as the story of the student experience. So to me, that's the key. I want to de-emphasize grade acquisition. I, I all due respect to that 80% nursing program requirement. That's true. I'm not trying to de-emphasize that. But my hope, my deep hope would be that that parent and that student can say, yes, this matters. We're going to work hard on the grade, but our story is much more multifaceted and rich and much longer than just what happens in the next two years, right? Like that university acceptance is definitely not Christ's return. You know what I mean by that? Like I'm trying to say the story is so much Mm -hmm. more mysterious and powerful and beautiful and long than just what happens post-secondary based on my my GPA. So I, I think we want expedition-like designs for learning, but we want teachers who can also be integral with the learning of content or competencies or whatever it is that the learning goals are, are, are explicitly articulating mm-hmm. so that students can say, yes, I'm having this incredible experience and I'm explicitly clear on how I'm expected to do well on the grade in the midst of this significant experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I, I'm left listening to you guys and I'm left thinking, okay, if we're stuck with this whole grading thing, um, how do we redeem the grading thing? And I think of uh, you know our buddy Harry Blylevin in the conversation about having a chat with uh, a student saying, what grade do you want in this class? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? When I hear this nerd student who needs to get into nursing, I'm like, bam, let's give you an 80%. Or if you need, you want a little bit of wiggle room, I'll even give you an 85%. Now let's go learn. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about that that's just as justifiable as the semi-unjustifiable 100-point scale mm-hmm. um, in its traditional form. Um, so I love that idea, first of all. And I, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just want to interject there. What I would want to do there is say, if you're expecting an 85%, I am telling you right now, you don't have to worry unless I talk to you about a concern. Mm-hmm. So don't worry Love about that. the 85% anymore yeah. until I tell you we need to worry about the 85%. Mm-hmm. And that takes the onus off of the student to make sure the grade is there and onto me as the teacher, because I'm the one who's managing the grading anyway. Mm-hmm. And I can Love say, it. look, I believe you're going to be at a level four. If you're not, I will talk to you and we'll work hard together to make sure that your work is at a level four. And and like you said, Darren, now let's get talking about experience and learning uh, mm-hmm. for its own sake. Yeah, I love it. Like both my daughter heading into the University of Winnipeg, she it was an audition and she had to self-report the grade she was going to get. Hmm. So and yes, she did have to send her transcripts in at the end. But the, the grading piece of it was... Um, self-reported and then basically you know an audition tape is a portfolio a selection of of you know her ability to dance basically right okay i was gonna say so darren hers is dance right and i feel like there's wiggle room or space for almost that portfolio or skill-based presentation when it comes to things like dance but like you know i would like to see someone prove their creativity as a mathematician Right. Oh, like, again, that's where that BC piece, the competency piece comes in so nicely because 
we, we end up designing, okay, we need a certain grade level in math to get in. And so it starts profiling a certain specific math student where we need creative math students that maybe, again, a portfolio might be able to better display that. Where your daughter is showing her skills and creativity as part of her audition. Uh, I just, and again, it must be time consuming for uh, anybody that's doing admissions to, to do something like the, what your daughter had to do. Uh, Darren, I'm curious how long that, like how, how long of an addition would that look like? I can't even remember exactly, but as you talk, I get excited about like, imagine a portfolio for a physics student, someone who wants to get into right. physics. Right. Uh, I get excited about that actually more than, than an arts. Like people right away when they hear that story, they're like, oh yeah, but she's in the arts. Right. That doesn't count, Darren. And I actually call, you know, mm-hmm. BS on that and say it is substantially demanding. Mm. And um, so, but that's I, the that's the feedback I get in secondary when I share that story. The immediate response from the math science staff is, oh, yeah, but that doesn't count because that's the arts. Yeah. I have a fun story. Uh, so I was assembly coordinator for a number of years at Hamilton District Christian High. And one of our assemblies was a bit of a celebration of learning. And it was one of my favorite assemblies. We had uh, construction technology students made uh, mailboxes for the country that were aesthetically pleasing, but also could sustain a drive-by bat you know, awesome. attack, right? Yeah, awesome. And the physics students designed a swinging bat at about the right velocity and force for what it would be like for a drive-by, you know, you know, person hanging out the window trying to knock it. So we actually tested these mailboxes based on the physics work. And then, you know, so, and now it's a party, right? All of us yes. are like, you know, voting for the mailbox. Mm-hmm. We want to survive. And anyway, it was pretty awesome. And I, I can imagine you know, all those physics students are doing the work on the bat velocity and force, right? And they could put that in their portfolio, but the mailboxes could go in the portfolio too, right? So mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. actually guys, one one option that I'm really intrigued by is called the Mastery Transcript Consortium mm-hmm. coming out of the States. And it's, but it's an international consortium of public and independent schools. And they are, they're defining competencies and they're connecting those competencies to a portfolio hmm. and urging post-secondary institutions to use their mm-hmm. transcript as a much more robust, deep assessment of student capacity for u- university or college acceptance. Hmm. And I'm, I really like it. I'm really intrigued. I think it's going to be really difficult to get off the grading thing, but that's, this is an area where I'm hoping to put a lot more attention and creativity into so what I just heard was an invitation for a road trip because my buddy Eric Alfson is tell every time I go on a rant, he is like, Darren, their school is doing this already. Yeah. Why do you come see? So road trip. Okay. That's what I'm thinking. So, well, so we're off to San Jose. Mm-hmm. Oh, sounds right. good. Yeah. I, uh, I did. I came across Trent Young is a teacher, I believe, at Abbotsford Christian High. Is that right, Darren? Yeah. Um, runs a Dry Bones vlog, uh, and so you can uh, actually look up his on YouTube. Uh, he has one project-based learning, a Christian pedagogy, a, a blog, also on I think the Case website, Center for the Advancement of Christian Education, Deeper Learning. I just wanted to read to you guys a couple things that he wrote. I thought, um, as Christian schools, we need to think about what it is uh, that we look for in 
success or excellence uh, around this. And so first of all, he kind of debunks the old factory model of education and why, you know, we sit in rows and, and we grade all this. But um, here are a couple of the things that I, I would be curious about as we go forward in this conversation and, and invite our high schools and even universities. We'd love to invite universities into this process is he says, so what do we pr- replace the old, you know, basically head on stick model? I would argue that Christian schools will look to a biblical anthropology and purpose in which to root our teaching practices. What does the Bible say about what a human being is? And so he says, Bible says we are humans, our creatures, a holy and loving God. Sorry, humans are creatures of a holy and loving God. Human beings are rebellious. Humans are incredibly valuable because they have been made in God's image. Human beings rational, but also emotional, spiritual, and physical. And every human is equipped to, by God with unique gifts to use in the service of others. So he goes on to say the purpose of education is to develop these gifts, not merely to equip students to go on to post-secondary education, nor is it our goal to create citizens that have the skills necessary to contribute to the democratic process and the provincial national economies, nor is it our purpose to produce students who perform well on standardized tests. The purpose of education in Christian schools is ultimately linked to aligning our lives to God's purposes in the world. If this anthropology and purpose are accurate, then our approach to education will, and this is where I'll end on here, how do we find, and this is how do we find ways to see the inherent value of all learners, discover and develop the gifts of all the learners, contribute to the growth of not just all learners, but all, the, all of the learner, the whole self, and then provide opportunities, expeditions, pro- whatever it is, for students to contribute to the flourishing of the world and other people. If we refocus ours, that move from that 80%, and it's got to be there, I get that. But how can we find ways to provide opportunities for students to contribute mm-hmm. to flourishing the world and other people? So Trent, mm-hmm. I appreciate your words. Uh, I know he, he focuses on project-based learning. Um, so, mm. I yeah, it. I think maybe my final thought is we love talking about the biblical story, right? We love talking about what it means to to play a part to to as. Um, N.T. Wright would say, right, to improv consistently and creatively within the biblical story. Grades are not the unit of a story. That's not Hmm. a story is not created out of numbers. Hmm. Maybe my math friends are going to write in (laughs) on this, but a, a, a story is made up of action and experience. Right. We 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 organize experience for meaning into a narrative, seemingly disconnected events, moments, get turned into through dialogue, through metacognition, through, through you know, relationality, get turned into something beautifully coherent and meaningful over time. And so I think Christian schools must attend to the way that we design experience. That is the primary function of the Christian educator, designing experiences mm-hmm. for meaning. Mm-hmm. That's and and by the way, there's a ton of rich kind of history in this. Like John Dewey was back in the early 1900s, was focusing on experience as the primary aspect of the teacher identity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot that to like, Darren. I just think you picking the word experience mm-hmm. is actually something that has a lot of philosophical kind of worldview uh, depth to it. As a, as a conversation for us to keep having in education. No, I love that. And maybe let's leave it there. Mm-hmm. I appreciate you, Jeremy, Justin. This is, a, this is a big deal. This is something that has gripped 
secondary schools across our, our nation. Mm-hmm. And I would argue probably around the world. So thank you for taking a step in the right direction as we do talk, as we talk about secondary schools, graduate learning year in the BC context. Let's take a quick break and come back with our Crossfire segment. Now is the time for the Crossfire segment, where we take the feedback and questions from our listeners and form them into prompts. One of us will read a listener's comment and provide the prompt, while the other two will try to answer them as wisely and succinctly as possible. First up, Justin. All right, guys. Email from Ed Newt, a big boss at the SCSBC. Mm -hmm. Hi, gents. I've now listened to the first three episodes, and I'm enjoying them more and more. Your banter is friendly and funny, and your guests have been amazing. I'd like to suggest a tribute episode paying respect to excellent educators whose lives were cut short by disease or death. I'm thinking of Kurt Tuninga from BC and Doug Monsma from Alberta, and there may be other fitting choices too. We could have people who knew these exemplary educators well tell stories highlighting the contributions that they made to Christian education. I think it could make for an engaging episode. Once again, thanks for your efforts on the podcast. It's really hitting the mark. Shalom, Ed. So guys, question. Is there someone that inspired you in your current role? Sorry to cut you off there, Justin. Uh, I was already just so thankful for Ed and his email. Um, Thank you, Ed. I appreciate it. And I hope you didn't take it personally that we had Gail as our first big (laughs) boss. Um, but, I, but I'm assuming by Darren Smirk that you might have. So, um, I, yeah, I do want to honor, uh, just really briefly, This we don't have enough time in this short segment to do this well, but I, I, I am very thankful for Doug Monsma, uh, a guy that went before me in my role, um, was a pioneer for teaching for transformation, somebody that was humble, kind, witty, uh, someone that I wanted to be like, wanted to, wanted to follow, um, and I also thankful for Brian Dornenball, who followed him uh, in my position as well. Both uh, of these people are, are people that desire to have schools play their part in God's story well. Mm. Uh, and so I'm very thankful for them. And they're people I look up to and, and continue to try to, um, to follow their lead. Yeah, it's great, Jeremy. I want to take a few minutes here just to talk about Kurt as well. Uh, Kurt is one of the most impactful uh, administrators I had. I was the crazy teacher who went to him one August and said, I do not want to have to do any year plans or unit plans. I want to start and get that all worked out with kids in September. Mm. And then we'll go from there. And he was like, yeah, let's give it a try. So when mm. we, when you get an email that says all plans need to be in by September 30th, just ignore that email. Because everyone else doesn't need to know that this is what you're doing. Mm. Um, but have a good time with it and let me know. And that was a pivotal conversation in my career. Mm. And having the opportunity to share that with him and to share it in a TED Talk that he was able to watch before um, he passed from cancer was a, bit, was a big deal for me. Mm. Uh, Lori Koning, who is works for Edudeo and one of our great, she's a great tweeter. She tweets uh, about uh, every square centimeter every once in a while. So we have a couple from her. So first off, she writes, will people think I'm weird because I'm walking along the Fraser River and laughing to myself while listening to at every square centimeter? 
Maybe. Is it still using my time on? Is it still good use of my time on a Friday night? Yes. So my question, guys, is what's something that people may think you are weird for, Darren? Um, weird slash offensive. Um, if I can add that little bit, um, I may have made the mistake at some point in a public place, tell saying out loud, "If you put cream in your coffee, that's like training coffee." and i said it without really thinking and it has stuck and i get a plenty of raised eyebrows offended looks and i don't know if that's weird offensive i i'm taking a little bit of liberties with the word weird but that's my story you're coffee a little bit of a coffee snob aren't you darren yes i would say so yes (laughs) justin mr flat white (laughs) (laughs) well okay so this is like, uh, you know, weird slash unhygienic, which is <laughs> oh, fine, wonderful. right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Abs- campfire conversation. Absolutely. So a couple of my friends and I in uh, university decided that uh, shampoo in hair shampoo was just a waste of time and energy. So we just stopped using it, actually. And so since since university, I've really only washed and conditioned my hair on very rare occasions. A on haircut day. So if I'm going to get a haircut, then I shampoo and condition my hair. And B, although I don't play anymore, hockey. Oh. Hockey, it's just, yeah. you know, it a like helmet. Yeah, it's just it's pretty gross, right? I was going to so, guess your wedding day. I don't remember if I washed my <laughs> hair. <laughs> well, all I know is you have a great head of hairs and, and right. I'm losing mine, so I I'm actually I, I maybe need to reconsider my hygiene. Um mm-hmm. Practices. Shampoo's That's optional. The secret. That's Shampoo's the secret. optional. Stop using shampoo. Totally. All right. Uh, second one from Lori. Christmas came early this year, folks. Every square centimeter is back for another season. Celebrating educators across Canada and Edudeo is super pumped to be their new partner. And we're super pumped too, Lori. Mm-hmm. This podcast is the gift that keeps on giving. Present emoji. Question, guys. What's a favorite Christmas gift that you receive from a student? I, I know I have received lots of wonderful presents over the years and I'm, and I, I'm, I'm going to probably offend some people that I don't recall all of theirs, but the one that sticks out in my mind the most is I used to do a project uh, right before Christmas where students had to write down what they wanted uh, on their wish list for Christmas. And they would look through magazines, write down all the costs of those things and figure out the GSD as a math activity. And then I'd give them a, a, a catalog uh, kind of like a, from world vision or, or something that looked at a different angle. And, and I'd ask them to find things on there that would match up or equal to within 10% of their wish list. So they'd find out, you know, different things from a world vision catalog just to kind of give perspective. And then uh, as part of my commitment to it, at the end of that, I'd say, think about what you're asking for over Christmas. But in my, for myself, instead of giving me a gift, I would love if you, if you're planning to give me a gift, first of all, um, if you do just maybe make a donation to something in my name, that would be wonderful. And I had a few students take me up on that where uh, I would get a card that said, Hey, we donated this in your name. And I thought those were always really special to me. Um, something that um, I, I loved mugs. I, I would say I loved mugs, but uh, sometimes you have enough mugs. So I really appreciated that. 
Yeah, Justin, you should let me go before Jeremy because mine's gonna mine was gonna sound bad at, already, and now it sounds really bad after I had people donate to charity on my behalf. Um, it's mugs, it's isn't it? You can imagine a new principal um, at your school, and you're teaching the new principal's child. And it's Christmas time. You've just had the Christmas festival. And all of a sudden you see this figure coming across the parking lot in the shadows. And uh, this young man hands me a large brown paper bag. And he's like, hold it from underneath. (laughs) And so in the cover of darkness, I got delivered a six pack of very nice beer um, from the principal's son at school after a school function. So that was a pretty great gift on a whole variety of levels. <laughs> all right. Dan Behrens, an all around great friend, educational consultant and case fellow tweets out, check out my friends in Christian education are doing good podcasting work. His tweet includes a link to an article he publishes titled educators as learners opportunities for professional learning from September 7, 2021. Encourage listeners to go take a look. In that article, Dan says podcasts have become ever more popular and some of our best Christian educators have risen to the challenge. Here are five to consider. Digital Education by Eric Ellison. Hallway Conversations by Dave Mulder, Matt Beamers, and Abby DeGroot. Every Square Centimeter by yours (laughs) truly and a few others here on this call. Lighting a Fire by Bryant Russ and the Curious Teacher Podcast. Some of our Australian colleagues at CEN. Anyone going to call me on the acronym there? Come yeah, on, I'm guys. Calling You're letting me down. You're letting totally. me down. Yeah. No. Christian it's Education college. National. CEN, Christian Education National. I figure oh. I'm already rambling on here, so rather than play the game, just from okay, our friends fine. at Christian Education National. So the prompt I have for you here is, was Dan officially ranking the podcast? That's my first question. Let's just if ponder was, on that, maybe. If, no, he. that's bogus, because if he was, like... Eric Ellison is also a case fellow. So that's like nepotism through podcast. Land. <laughs> and then baloney. the second one is connected to Dort where case is. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So yeah. I see where you're going. So let's just move past that now that we've uh, <laughs> yeah. wallowed in self pity for a while here and justified our number one spot. Um, what's a podcast you would rep- recommend? Yeah, I, I I'm going to also, do a little bit of nepotism because Graham is our wonderful audio producer and he has his own podcast called harmonious gentleman and his, well, by the time this has come out, it won't be his last episode, but an episode where he had Melanie Humphreys on, um, the gentleman did, uh, the president of the King's university in Edmonton, Alberta. And she talked about some of the journey she's gone through with her staff around the LGBTQ conversations and some of the other uh, conversations that have kind of hit the headlines um, around the idea of belonging and building community. And I think all educators could, could uh, go take a listen to that one and all of theirs are wonderful. So go take a listen to the harmonious gentleman. Mm, nice. Yes, Graham. Well, I'm going to shout out uh, a specific episode from the Curious Teachers pod- Teacher Podcast uh, by our good friends Dan and Ali down in uh, Australia. Uh, they interview. They have uh, a gentleman named Dr. Rod Thompson who is um, a biblical worldview 
a biblical scholar and worldview expert. And uh, he now actually has a position, a formal position with CEN to support them in their biblical integration, which is pretty awesome. So there's an episode, um, I think it was in 2020 with uh, Dr. Rod Thompson that I would urge people to go find. I might even, let me see if I've, yeah, it's June 30, 2020 is the actual episode. I don't see a number on it, but I really appreciated it. Nice work, Dan and Allie. All right, guys. Uh, next one. Nick Donkersloot from Fremont Christian in Michigan emails. So my dad, who's a principal in BC, recommended, recommended your podcast to me. Thank you for shining light on some amazing educators and highlighting ways in which we can make Christian education authentic. I very much hope you all plan to keep making these. I was sad to see only seven episodes, which we've broken that through that ceiling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure I'll be done with them by the all by this time next week. I shared it with my staff. Hopefully a couple of them will listen to it. Saying that you are a host will definitely help. It'll give us some in, some of them insight into Canadian humor. P.S. Really got to make sure I highlight this part. P.S. I instantly mm. knew you were singing Little People by Gavroche from Les Mis. My absolute favorite. I used to listen to that song on repeat at bedtime when I was in middle school. So, question. Thank you, Nick, by the way, for recognizing mm-hmm. my musical genius. Uh, what's a song that you guys listened to on repeat when you were in middle school? Well, um, for me, I was more thinking about bands. What band did I listen to? And it sounds ridiculous, but the two that immediately came to me were either Chicago um, or Guns N' Roses, actually. (laughs) Sweet child of mine. Um, So I don't know what that says about me, so I'm going to stop talking. No, that's totally legit. Come on. That's like either you're sappy and sad or you're like, you know, getting your middle school rage on. That I'm... I'm with you, Darren. Totally. Yeah. My music was quite interesting because my, my hockey team, you know, would draw me into some music that I would not be listening to at home, but, uh, it was, I would say it was catchy. I would say that, but I more listened to some, a really interesting, uh, genre, which is Christian punk rock. Uh, MXPX was a, a group that we got into and, uh, we thought we were pretty awesome when we listened to Christian <laughs> punk rock. Uh, so MXPX. All right. This next section, I'm just going to give a, a word of warning. If you are listening with kids, you may not want them to continue listening. Oh so proceed at your own risk. They have an emailer <laughs> that will remain anonymous. Okay. They responded to our last campfire conversation where we talk about echidnas and they sent in some more information. So I'll read the email. I said, hey guys, listen to the last podcast. Loved it. Here's a website to help you out with learning more about echidnas. There's a website. I'll look at it in a second. She goes on to say, another of God's wonders. I actually see these fun little guys on our property or crossing our road from time to time. Next time I see one, I feel like I want to call him Jeremy. Signed, anonymous person. So I clicked on this and it's a, it's a wonderful buzz uh, wired, you know, article and it's, you know, titled the creature feature, 10 fun facts about the echidna, which I was excited to learn about. The subtitle says echidnas are odd, even for cousins of the duck-billed platypus. They have no nipples, no teeth, and a four-headed penis, <laughs> but the weirdness doesn't stop there. So at yeah, this Jeremy. point, yeah. <laughs> 
At this point, I am uh, wondering what she's seeing uh, in this. So I said, hey, Anonymous, I'm glad you're still enjoying our podcast. We're excited to release new episodes in the next month. As for the echidna, what a fascinating critter. <laughs> after reading through the facts, I am unsure if you naming an echidna after me is an honor or not. The anonymous person replied back, oh, dear. Very funny. Whoops. I should have thought about that before making that comment. I can see you guys killing yourself laughing about this. And you guys should read that article because it is an education in echidna's sexual uh, habits. It is. They are unique. Let's just put it that way. Anyway, she does say, I really hope you do not mention this on your podcast. So we've, you know, made sure it was anonymous. I won't ever be able to think about echidnas or Jeremy in the same way ever again. We Aussies are weird creatures. Uh, one of the facts was that echidnas have unusual brains and they have a very large brain. I'm thinking that's what she was probably referring to the right. Jeremy. Yeah, lar- mm-hmm. that's one of the facts you'll read in there. So I wonder, is is there something that you guys regret? All right. Well, uh, Jeremy, I know you've been begging me to tell this story. So uh, here we go. So oh, yeah, let's do this. Yeah, so my parents became somewhat infamous in New Westminster back in the day because of uh, the the announcement of their wedding bands. So they were attending New Westminster Christian Reformed Church, and there was a guest pastor. And uh, by the way, uh, my name is Cook now, but it used to be Cook, K-O-K. That's my, uh, my Dutch name, surname. And, you know, it's pretty formal, right, when wedding bands are read out. Um, like the full name, you know, first, middle, last name. Right. Well, my dad's actual first name is Harry. And oh, no. so the guest pastor was reading out the wedding bands and said, you know, <laughs> unless there are no lawful objections, Adriana Metha Van and Eichel will be wed to Harry Huge Cock uh, <laughs> next week, blah, 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 blah. And as per usual in the Christian Reformed Church, I think it was like complete stone silence. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, and needless to say, uh, which I appreciate, my grandfather actually did anglicize our surname mm. because of that specific event. So, there you uh, go. Justin, well, you, teased, you teased that story a couple episodes, and that's why I really appreciate uh, you elaborating on it. Thank you. Darren... Anything you're gonna you regret or going to regret? <laughs> Not near as dramatic as that, maybe. But um, I regret being open with the group here um, on sharing my knowledge or apparent lack thereof when it comes to geography, islands, and content. So, <laughs> you know, without any more details, Graham, why don't you uh, play that clip and share with everybody? <laughs> How much love I received based on my sharing of my knowledge. And, and Graham, before you play that clip, I, I should also say I regret making fun of Darren because I was told after the podcast by my wonderful big boss, Gail Monsma, that I've only been to two continents. She reminded me that Central America is not part of South America. And so I would just like to pr- confess to everyone I've only been to two continents, not three. Yeah, it's okay, guys. Content doesn't matter. It's just all exactly. about experience. Comp- it's <laughs> all experience. and experience. Yeah. Oh, and and Graham, maybe before we play that clip, uh, we should give our listeners some context. The clip that Darren is referring to, and that we'll soon listen to, is a clip from our first attempt at our opening square 
in our last episode with Gail. So to hear the revised version, you'll need to go back and, and listen to Gail's episode. But this was our, our original clip, uh, our failed first attempt. Uh, so have a listen. Darren, our prompt for today is how many continents have you visited and what's one quick travel story? So I have visited five continents Ooh. and or maybe six if you count some of the islands close to a continent as part of the continent. But I will leave that up to the geography people. So okay. I don't know how to go with with okay. islands. Gail is shaking her head saying no, that does what, not count. Wait. Is, are so, we talking like Australia as an island or? No, we're talking Antarctica? like the United Kingdom. Would that be part of Europe or are they their own thing? What, oh. they're like a continent? Come yeah, on, you, Darren. United Kingdom is part of Europe. Okay, so then I've been to six. But what do we do with Jamaica? Because they're kind of floating off there <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> I think this is taking way too long. We better start again. I'll come with a cleaner answer. I apologize. No, I, are you getting mixed up between continents and continents? No, I am not. Islands so, and but, continents. I, I want to know. Like, the, right. Tell me the continents you've been. I'm super <laughs> curious now. How many continents are there? Let's just first establish some fact baselines here. So I've been to, I've been to North America, South America. Okay. I've been to Australia. Okay. I've been to Europe and Asia. Okay. Those are all legit. Okay. Those but like, real. what do we do with Jamaica? Like, what's or they're like just not part of a continent or what? Yeah, they don't get a continent. No, Jamaica. But not Indonesia is part of Southeast Asia. Yeah. So how does Jamaica is part of North America okay. continent? So, yeah, South. Even if they're not attached, they're still part of. I continent. apologize for <laughs> not being as prepared as I thought I was going to be for this question. You were actually so, correct in your number. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, this is the okay. gold, Darren. Uh, uh, what do we do right. with Jamaica? That is my Darren is Jamaica a continent speaks <laughs> I can see it. Can we move on to Justin, please? To, <laughs> move on to Justin. I've been to five unless Jamaica counts as its own continent. Then I've been to six. Please oh, tell I me. Love it. Please tell me the game we're playing is so you think you're smarter than a fifth grader. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so from advance in Eastern Canada, we have a guy who could build you a shelf one day and cook you a delicious meal the next. Uh, Justin Cook. Oh, yeah. oh Canada. Well, we hope you've had some laughs. You've thought deeply about why we do what we do in Christian education because the fire is dying down. The coals are glowing, and I am both challenged and refreshed by our time together. Cheers to you two and to our listeners. May you find your fireside and the fireside of others to be a place of support, encouragement, challenge, and refreshment, and may collegiality and collaboration hold you in community as together we do the important kingdom work of educating children. thank Christian Schools Canada for sponsoring the podcast. Please know that the views and opinions expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CSC, the schools of our guest, or any of our three regional organizations. Thanks for listening.